Bless you. That scared me or something. All right. We got the oldest two songs, book ending, three of the newer ones. Actually, Oceans isn't there too, so. Waymakers. Yeah. What up? Lytles. Yeah, we battle belongs. Hey, we're gonna run battle belongs. Before we get too far into things, we got some business to take care of. Good business. Um, uh, Kyle Spence and Brian Dom uh, have been chosen by the elders to become deacons in this church, um, and uh, they were recommended by our deacon chairman Russ Varner. We sat down with them and talked to them for a, a, a long time. We've been praying over this. They've been fasting and praying over this. And um, today, you guys have the chance to affirm that decision that we have made. In your bulletin, if you're a member of this church, in your bulletin, uh, you have uh, that, uh, that slip of paper. It's pretty self-explanatory. You can, guys can go ahead and fill that out. And you have the rest of the service to do that. In order to make this easy... What we're going to do is just drop it off as you leave. There's a, there's a box by the door, and so you guys could drop that off as you leave. Most of you have a bulletin if you're a member. If, you're, if you are a member and you, and you don't have a bulletin, uh, Cole's got some of those right in the back. I, I, anybody, does anybody need one that, that didn't get one? Does anybody not have a bulletin? Is anybody choosing to not know what's going on? Is that right to, to do all this? All right. Um, they've been part of this, and I, I, I tell you, those two guys have been serving essentially this church and really in many ways in that role for a long time. And uh, Russ finally said, hey, let's, let's, let's make this official. And so the elders talked, about, <clears throat> talked to them and about them a fair bit, a lot actually. And so uh, you have the chance to agree with that decision or disagree with that decision. Again, when you leave, there's a, there's a box um, by the door, and uh, you can just drop those, those things in there. All right, Theo, let's move on here. Um, one of the... One of the things that, one of the, th- <laughs> this, and this is when everything's running smoothly. That's, that's what this is. I've just got to mess it up. It's the way it goes. Uh, one of the things that we've been doing, and we're going to institute this from here on out, is uh, once a month, uh, you know, exchanging months, every other month, really, um, we're going to have an update on our children's ministry. And then the following month, an update on our student ministry to make sure everybody's uh, on the same page. Uh, Here this morning, uh, for some that know and some that don't know, I just want to recap a few things here. Our hallway ministry, uh, that's zero to four years, okay? Little kids, zero to four years. They follow a set routine um, throughout their day or throughout the morning. They have free play, they have snacks, and they have then lessons during the morning. Uh, all of this is based upon Bible themes uh, for that particular month. 
We had a, a great time in April because of Easter, and there was a bunch of excitement, of course, in that age group. And then the month of May here is going to focus on growing in God's love. That's what these kids in the hallway are going to be learning. Now, the backyard ministry is set up a little bit different. They have a 930 service that focuses on Bible memorization. Uh, they have a lesson time, and this is divided in pre-K and kindergarten, first and second grade, third and fourth grade, and fifth and sixth grade. So those, those grades, there's two grades per class. During the 11 o'clock service, classes are arranged a little bit different. Pre-K and kindergarten remain together. Uh, the first through the fourth graders combine into a time of worship, and the fifth and sixth graders, they carry on as they're continuing to do. Uh, but they do have a time of what they call big church, uh, where they worship together in their, uh, their children's worship area. They've got a screen just like this, and they've got, you know, it's set up just like this. And so they have a time uh, to do that in the backyard. They're walking through right now and learning uh, Hebrews 11. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And these things are absolutely true. Right now, they're getting ready for vacation Bible school. They're already kind of learning some of the songs that they'll be able to lead you through as we go forward. Um, and that's usually during the 11 o'clock hour. They're gaining some enthusiasm for that. In the second service, though, the fifth and sixth grade classes, uh, they're working on something called Tell It. Tell It was something that was, uh, we learned this or we gained this from Superstart. Uh, Jim Hoffman leads them through Tell It, and it's really a way for the fifth and sixth grade class to look back upon their lives, even their young lives, and realize that even then, they have a story to tell about the work of Christ in their life. They can begin to see the work of Jesus in their life, and they can be able to share that with others. And that's called Tell It. Jim, Jim works with them through that. And so those are some of the things they're working on right now. Um, you can always talk to me if you need more information about what your kids go through. We are going through the process of talking to people about uh, our children's ministry and, and becoming a children's minister. Uh, I've talked to five. Uh, I'm going to talk to another two this week. Um, just, just feeling them out and getting their uh, interests and ideas and opinions. Now, we have, thanks to Ben, we have a general uh, advertisement that's ready to go, uh, but we, ideally, we want to wait on that. We want to wait on that. Uh, the best way to fill these roles is personal connections, people that you actually know, people that uh, are recommended to you. So that's the process we've been going through right now. And again, I talk to, I have the preliminary discussions with them, and then uh, from there, they go to the eldership uh, w once it's time for that. One of the reasons we're able to do this and do it carefully, I, I, I don't like that word, um, to do it properly and to take our time uh, doing these things is because uh, Brittany Oglesby and Erica Cottle have volunteered to steer the ship while we are looking for uh, our permanent minister back there. Laura will be done at the end of this month. And as we're looking for our permanent minister, making sure we do it the correct way, again, those two ladies have volunteered. They, they're actually job shadowing uh, Laura over the past couple of weeks, and they're going to continue to do that. Uh, they'll be with us this Monday in our elders meeting, and we'll be discussing those things. But we, we owe a great deal of appreciation to 
Brittany and Erica for continuing to maintain that house while we're looking for uh, the proper person to fill it, proper person to be that children's minister. So we've been talking, we've been looking, and I've been talking to people, and the process is underway. The process is underway. We'll, we'll find the right person. We always do. Uh, sometimes we need to wait on God. Sometimes God says, look, open your eyes. Here's the person. Uh, sometimes he does that. So those are all things that we need to remember. Just be thinking about as we move forward. I've had the pleasure, uh, as I did last year, of helping, uh, what little help I can give, uh, in coaching Sam's baseball team. Uh, a couple people, actually a bunch of people in the church help with that. It's, it, that's a good team to be a part of. Um, and uh, there's a lot of people that help with that team, and uh, they do a great job. But that's always a lot of fun. I'll tell you, I just enjoy that immensely, uh, watching those kids out there play ball and, and watching them change and grow and learn. And, um, you know, and sometimes, boy, you're just, you know, you're cheering them along, you know, and sometimes, uh, of course, Alex, he's coaching. He, he would know these things, you know. And then other times you, you, you're, you're almost clenching your fist thinking, we, we just went over that. We, we, four minutes ago. We went over that, and uh, uh, some, so sometimes you, you get a little of that. Uh, but one of the things that you never want to happen, and we've used this, this example many times. If you've heard me speak, you, you've heard this example before. One of the things you never want to happen if you're a part of a team is for the coach to ignore you, you, you know, whether, you're, whether you're doing well or doing poor, but especially if you're doing poorly, especially if you're continuing to do it the wrong way or continuing to uh, uh, misbehave or continuing to go down the wrong path, whatever it is, you never want to get to this place where the coach ignores you. Now, many times the coach will provide discipline and many times the coach will provide direction and sometimes it'll be rather forceful and sometimes it'll be uh, a little more gentle. But, but the last thing you want is for the coach to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. You do whatever you want. I don't, I don't care anymore. Sometimes we don't like the correction. Sometimes we don't like the discipline. Sometimes we don't like the lessons that we have to learn, but we can find ourselves or consider ourselves in a very fortunate position when whoever is in charge continues to teach and discipline and correct as we go through life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you again for the love that you've shown us. We thank you, Father, for the gift of right now, today, that we get to worship together like this. We thank you, Father, that we can learn through so many instances of life where you work and you guide and you correct us. We ask, Father, that you give us a heart that can be shaped, that it can be formed, and it can be submissive to who you are and what you are. We thank you, Father, for your love shown in so many great ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. Now, we've seen a few storms, and we realize that behind the clouds, the sun is still shining. Jesus still cares. Jesus is still powerful. He is still God, though the storm may be rather dark. 
We've seen storms that show the power of Jesus Christ as He calms a storm. We've seen storms that test our faith and help our faith grow as Peter steps out of the boat. Today, though, we see storms of correction, storms of discipline in our life. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 starts this way, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Verse 2, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, verse 3, ran away from the Lord, heading for Tarshish. He went to Joppa. He found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. This is Jonah. Now, Jonah is only mentioned really twice in Scripture, here in the book of Jonah and then earlier on in, uh, in, in another account. And both times, he's really not a role model, okay? He, Jonah's not somebody you want to look at and say, I want to be exactly like him in everything and all things that I do. But there are some things that Jonah does. There are some decisions that Jonah makes, and there are some events that he goes through that we can apply to our own lives, and we can learn some great lessons from his mission and from his attitude. Who was Jonah specifically? Jonah was a prophet early, 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 about 760 B.C. He was a prophet to the northern tribes of Israel, about the same time as the prophet Amos, although really a little bit before Amos. But who is Jonah for us today? Well, Jonah today is us, you and me, is the church. I say Jonah's the church because the lessons we're going to learn through Jonah is someone who knows God, he understands who God is, and he in fact cares about the commands of God. Jonah is someone who's well aware that God is God and that God is sovereign. Jonah has this understanding that the commands that God gives are not to be scoffed at. Jonah realizes all of those things. And so we find in our story that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Has the word of the Lord ever come to you? I got news for you. It has. It has and it's happening right now. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. You see, when we think about that, we think about a, a grand revelation, a vision in a dream, a voice from heaven that we can hear from our ears or with our ears. But this, quite literally, we call the Word of God. The Word of the Lord has come to you. The Word of the Lord can come to you every day. How many times does God want to speak to you and you say, not now? I've got more important things to do. I've got better things to do than listen to you, God. The Word of the Lord. The Word of the Lord is at our fingertips. The Word of the Lord is for you and it's for me. The Word of the Lord are the lessons of Christ. The Word of the Lord are the lessons that we read about in the letters and the epistles when it comes to the word of the Lord and direction of the Lord, we're not talking about some vague, unknowable sign. We're talking about the exact word of God. It is readable. It is understandable. It is repeatable if you want to teach others. And it is inerrant. 
The Word of the Lord could come to you every single day. Most often, the Word of the Lord comes as education or it comes as a reminder through study and application. That is Scripture. And so when we look at a character like Jonah and we say, the Word of the Lord came to him, whether it was through a vision or hearing the voice audibly, we have that very same thing in the Word of God. The Word of the Lord. By the way, the Word of the Lord is complete. He doesn't need another one. Okay? The Word of the Lord is complete. We know that from Scripture itself, and He doesn't need another one. Well, I want to know what He's going to say. I want to know what He thinks about this area of my life. I want to know what His expectations are. I want to know this and I want to know that and I'm going to wait and I'm going to sit and I'm going to pray and I'm going to hope that He thunders from the heavens and I hear His voice that's different from the Word. Stop waiting on that. The Word of the Lord's complete. He doesn't need extra. You get into Scripture. You get into study. You get into asking and knowing and applying these precepts to your life. Fortunately for us, we have a helper. We have God Himself, the Holy Spirit, that helps us, guides us, helps us to understand, convicts us to know, to pursue, to see things, to realize things. We have a helper through all of that. The Word of the Lord has come to me many times, and I suspect, again, the Word of the Lord has come to you. When the word of the Lord has come to me, it was not in an earthquake or a blinding light or a thunderous voice in the middle of the night. The word of the Lord usually comes to me as a reminder through prayer, and God says, I've already covered this in my word. Go read it, understand it, and apply it. That's when the word of the Lord comes. I was sitting right there one time in prayer when the word of the Lord came to me, and he says, John, we've already covered this. Go read it and do what it says. I was sitting right where Jonas was one time, praying about something. And God says, just the reminder, right, in the head. You've read through this before, man. Go read it again and do what it says. The Word of the Lord comes to us. The Word of the Lord is for you. It's at your fingertips. So from the Word of the Lord, we have commands and we have direction. We have action and we have reasons behind it. We have many other things in Scripture, but we always have these commands, these directions. And you'll notice Jonah has the very same thing in verse 2. Go, that's the command. Go, that's the command. To the great city Nineveh, there's the direction. And preach against it, that's the action. And the reason is, for its wickedness has come before me. You see, Jonah has the very same thing that you and I gain from the written Word of God. Now we can begin to see the parallels between Jonah and us. So what are the directions and commands that we hear from the Word of the Lord? Well, to name a few, you'll probably hear the Word of the Lord tell you, be patient with others. Be kind to others. By the way, don't be boastful. Don't be prideful. You ought to honor others and not dishonor them. You ought to seek service instead of self. You ought to forgive. These are the words of the Lord coming to you and coming to me. By the way, don't be easily angered. You may notice that this is the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13. We have other words of the Lord that come to us on a regular basis. 
He commands us to pursue a life of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. You'll notice these as the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. The word of the Lord has come to you. The word of the Lord's come to me. We have commands to be generous, to show love to our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, to do away with lust, hatred, divorce. We are commanded to not worry about the provisions of tomorrow because Jesus says the pagans run after those things. You may notice these commands from the Sermon on the Mount. By the way, that's going to be very important in two weeks when we talk about our final storm. You see, in all of these commands have direction. All of these commands have reasons behind them. They are good for us and they're good for those around us. They honor God and they're descriptions of the children of God. These are not just pictures. These are not just theories that God gives to us, but this is the reality of the kingdom of God. Where do you live? You live in the kingdom of God? Do you pursue the direction and commands of Jesus Christ? Let's look at verse 3 again. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship heading for Tarshish. And after he paid the fare, he went aboard and sailed for that town to flee from the Lord. You ever try to run away from God? Hmm? You ever try? I'll bet if I ask that question, you're going to say no. You ever try to run away from God? And then things go badly, even in your own mind, and you wonder if God cares. I'm going to run away from God, and then when the storm hits, I'm going to wonder where He is. See, if you ask somebody that, you ever try to run away from God, they'll say no. Because running is intentional. Running is cowardly. We just don't call it run. We call it, I've struggled, haven't I? I've struggled. I'm back and forth. I'm doing my best. See, we don't call it run. We call it those things. Or maybe we say this is something we deserve, even though it's not what God wants. We don't say run. We, we don't say run. We say it's not my fault. We don't say run. We say they made me do it. The world made me do it. God, that woman you put in the garden with me made me eat the fruit. You remember hearing that? Yeah, that's Adam just running. Just running. Coming up with excuses. So we're not going to call it all those excuses anymore. We're going to say, do you run or do you not? Because if we want to come up with excuses, we could do that all the time. You ever, you ever have your kids try to explain something they did wrong and you're thinking in your head, boy, that is the thinnest excuse I have ever heard in my life. You're almost more disappointed about the bad story than you are what they actually did. At least come up with something, man. Right? Thin excuses. Then excuses. The devil tempted me. Well, you gave him the audience. The devil tempted me. You gave him the ears, church. I've walked out on conversations before. You've probably walked out on conversations before thinking, you know what? I don't need to hear this. I need to go. We have evil. We have Satan. We have different things talking to us. Why don't walk out on that conversation too? Just walk out. Walk out. <laughs> Why not walk out on this? Every temptation we face, by the way, is not from outside oppression. Don't think that. Don't think that every temptation we face is from Satan himself or one of his minions working on our hearts and on our minds. Look, this is real. 
that's real, it does happen, and those things need to be taken seriously. But the lion's share of all the temptations that we face in our hearts come from what? Us. Us. Our fallen selves. This is exactly what Paul tells us. Our fallen selves. The sin alive in us. We go to battle with ourselves. But we have something very special. We have a Father who disciplines us. Look at 4 through 6. The Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down, and he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us. And we will not perish. See, church, this storm was a storm of correction. This storm was a storm of discipline. It was a storm of repentance. It wasn't a storm of hatred. <clears throat> God said, Jonah, I want you to change your course. You were not built to run, Jonah. You were built to serve the kingdom of God. And in so doing, save a bunch of lives. That's what actually happens at the end of the story. This whole grand, great city does actually repent. Now, they don't stay that way very long, but they do repent all thanks to the words that come from Jonah. Sorry if I ruined the end of the story. But God's going to get Jonah's attention in a dramatic way. Because if Jonah continues on this path, he's going to hurt himself. He's going to dishonor God. He's going to hurt others. And he will not get the chance to participate in something wonderful, something life-changing. Every storm that happens in your life, we've already seen two other examples. Every storm that happens in your life is not a storm of discipline or correction. It's not a storm because you have done something you shouldn't be doing. There are storms that happen because you've screwed up. And God cares about you. He loves you. This is what the front of your bulletin says. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. This is what God does to those He loves for those He loves. He wants you to change course. If Jonah continues, he's going to hurt himself. Notice other things, though. Notice the other sailors in the boat. Notice the other sailors in the boat, will you, for just a moment? Jonah screws up. And everybody else around him is paying the price. Jonah messes up. And everybody else is paying the price. They're in the storm too. Their lives are in danger as well. Our sins, our disobedience does not just affect us. It affects everyone around us, sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly. We add to the fallenness of this world. But what was Jonah doing when the world was falling apart around him due to his disobedience? While other people were feeling the effects of his disobedience, Jonah had gone below deck. 
and he went to sleep. Do you notice the storms of correction in your life? Do you act upon them? Or are you just sleeping through life? Just sleeping. You see, here's the reason we don't notice the storms of correction. I can't move around a whole lot because my shoelace is untied, and I just know I'm going to face plant right here, and I don't want to take the time to tie it. I've noticed it. See, one of the reasons we don't notice the storms of correction in our life is because we keep praying to God and praying to God and praying to God to alleviate the symptoms. Take me out of this storm. Take me out of this issue. Take me out of this problem. Take me out of all the hardship and the difficulty and the struggle we think is just happening to us, but not there to correct us. This is why we're told time and time and time again in Scripture to examine yourself. Look at the condition of your heart. Do we notice the storms in our lives, or do, and do we act upon them, or are we asleep? Revelation 3, 1 through 3. Boy, if this isn't a picture of Jonah, he's writing to the church. Jesus is writing to the church in Sardis. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Look, I know your deeds. By the way, who's the church? Who's the church? It's not this building. This is you. This is me. We are the church. Jesus says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Verse 2, wake up. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I've found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Boy, that's Jonah, isn't it? Remember, therefore, what you've received and heard. Hold it fast and repent, because if you do not wake up, I'll come like a thief, and you'll not know what time I will come to you. Jesus is imploring the church, that's you and me, to heed the correction, the discipline, to open our eyes, not be sleeping below deck, but realize who He is, what He is, and what He commands in our lives. Romans 13, love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And finally, Jonah wakes up. They found out it was Jonah who disobeyed. You can read through that account. We'll, we'll, we'll do a lesson one of these days in casting lots and what that means and, and why that's used. But they realize it was Jonah. And now, now Jonah confesses and we find the turning point in Jonah's life, or at least the turning point in this journey. See, some people think that the turning point in Jonah's life is when he got thrown into the sea, when he got swallowed by the great fish, because there's a prayer of great humility in the belly of that fish. But that, that, that was just the result. That was the result of this turning point in his life. The turning point in his life and what ought to be in our lives is verse 12. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. He replied, here we go, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon us. Church, that's confession. That's responsibility. In the face of the storm, Jonah finally gets to this place where he says, it's my fault. Not to others. I mean, this is what he says to the sailors. But that's not really the point. That's not where God is moving in this storm. He wants to be able to look in a mirror and say, I screwed up. I screwed up. God loves me. 
He cares about me. He is trying to correct me. He's trying to bring me to this place of confession, of responsibility, of a change in direction, repentance, a change in direction. And this is the moment. It took a storm to get there. But Jonah says, I messed up. The point of the storm was never because God hated Jonah, ever. It wasn't even because he was filled with rage. I mean, God could do whatever he wants. The point of the storm was for correction. He even allows Jonah to reset and continue on the original mission. It was out of love for Jonah and everyone Jonah was going to come in contact with. By the way, Jonah didn't have to confess. He didn't have to heed the discipline. He could have continued to just pray for relief from the storm. He could have tried to fight the storm. He could have blamed others. He could have pretended that God was picking on him. He could have invented excuse after excuse. He could have played ignorant of the whole thing. But in the face of the storm, Jonah realizes that God's right and he's wrong. And that's the turn. By the way, that turn is wonderful in your life, but not always pleasant. Because you know what happens next? (laughs) Even after this revelation, they throw him overboard. And he gets swallowed by a fish. That's not pleasant. That's not fun. But two things are happening. Number one, that's part of the correction to get Jonah back on this mission. And number two, sometimes we still have to live out the consequences of these, these, these sins that we commit in our life even after we have made that confession. That's life. That's life. But Jonah? Jonah brought, got brought to humility. Jonah got brought to responsibility. He got brought to repentance. At the very least, when those things happened, number one, he was saved to continue his mission. Number two, the storm ended immediately. And all these other people around him paying the price as well, they were saved too. They were saved from the storm. There's a point at which you have to realize, I went a long time, I wasn't going to share this, I'm going to share this. I went a long time praying about the symptoms of a storm one time. I've told this to people. I've never really told the specifics. I'm not ready to do that yet. For 15 years. 15 years. And I kept praying about the symptoms of the storm. And after 15 years, 15 years, I got to this place where I said, God, I deserve every bit of it. I deserve every bit of it. And it was then that God said, watch what I'm going to do. Because he ends up resolving this. If I had a hundred guesses for a hundred years, I never would have guessed the way he was going to work in my life. After this moment when I said, I deserve every bit of it. It was me. It was me. Took 15 years of a storm to get there. We've got to get to this place as we look at storms of correction. Number one, we've got to realize they're storms of correction. Number two, 
we not have to know that these are moving us in directions of repentance and submission and humility and responsibility. Because let me tell you something, the Word of God comes to you all the time. Unless you're too busy for it, unless you've got better stuff going on, the Word of God to you comes to you all the time. And there's many, many times God says, I love you too much to not send the storm. I love you way too much to not send the storm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the love that you show even through, especially through discipline. I know that's hard, that's hard to say, Father. We don't, it does feel painful. It's hard. Um, but we trust your word. We, we, we trust that you know us. We trust that you love us. We trust that you treat us the same way we treat our children that we love. Better, in fact. So, Father, help us to have a heart of humility. Help us to, to not go asleep, to, to wake up and see your correction for what it is. To be changed by the storm. Help us, Father, not to focus on the wind and the waves and the symptoms and all of these things, but to look at the heart, the mind, to examine our lives so that we might be changed, that we might be corrected, that we might be strengthened, that we could show that kind of courage in our lives. Father, don't, don't stop with the discipline.
too far. Uh, We've got a little uh, business to take care of. Inside of your bulletin, if you got a bulletin, uh, you'll find um, the decision that the elders have made to make Brian Dom and Kyle Spence uh, deacons of this church. Fact of the matter is, in many ways in service, they've been serving in this church um, for, uh, for a long time. Uh, not in all the exact same ways, but they continue to do that. Uh, this was through the initial recommendation of the deacon chairman, Russ Varner. And I sat down with Russ and these two gentlemen a while ago, and then they sat down with the elders. Uh, we talked to them for a long time. They uh, prayed and fasted. The the deacons did, or the uh, Brian and Kyle over this, and said they wanted to continue. And so we made the decision uh, to make them deacons of the Russiavania Church of Christ. At this point, um, we're asking you if you agree with that decision, if you're a member of the church. Um, If you don't have one, I know Andy's there in the back. He can get you one. Anybody anybody didn't get a bulletin? Is there? Steve didn't get a bulletin. So Steve doesn't care if he knows what's going on. Is that? Okay. All right. He. The bulletin tells us everything that's happening in the church, and Steve said, nah, I don't need that today. <laughs> it's up there, is it? All right. <laughs> uh, we'll make this easy. You can keep that with you. you got the rest of the service to, to do that. Um, when we leave, when we walk out, there's a, there's a bucket on a stool right by the door, and you can just drop it off in there on your way out. Um, so go ahead, and you can do that. Let's go ahead and keep moving there, fellas. Wes is up there going. 
That's technology. You know, I've heard, and I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that John and Peter and Paul and all those guys were able to preach and have church and all this stuff even without a screen behind them. Um, I think that that's true. So if something like that happens, that's just, we'll just keep going uh, and continue to, continue to preach, continue to learn. Uh, what we've been doing is keeping you updated with children's ministry and student ministry. Uh, children's ministry one month, student ministry the next, and so on and so forth, cause, so they kind of leapfrog each other. Um, and so uh, I want to keep you up to date on children's ministry and just answer some questions, you know, that are still being asked a little bit, and that's okay. Um, our hallway ministry is just for your, for your benefit, so you can remember these. Our hallway ministry, if you have kids, it's from zero to four years old. So I don't know what age zero is, but zero to four. Uh, four years old, and they'll be in the, uh, the hallway, different teachers in different rooms. Uh, they have playtime and snack time, and then they have lessons and group activities revolving around Scripture and also stories in Scripture. April, of course, was a very exciting time because of Easter and all the things they talked about and the excitement of Easter. This month, the month of May, is going to focus on growing in God's love. That's the theme. Kids are going to learn that God wants us to grow closer wants us to understand and know Him better, become more of a, a closer friend with Him, and grow up to know that He loves us. And uh, they'll be reminded of these things, that we can see the work of God in His creation and certainly even in people. The backyard then is a different group of kids. The backyard uh, has two services, of course, just like the hallway. 9.30 service focuses mostly on Bible verse memorization, and then there's a lesson time uh, that follows up. And that's broken down to pre-K and kindergarten, first and second grade, third and fourth grade, and fifth and sixth grade. During the 11 o'clock hour, that's, that's this hour right now, classes are arranged a little bit different. The pre-K and kindergarten remain together, but then first through fourth graders are all combined. Fifth grade continues with what they're working on and what they've been doing. Um, and that's, that's one of the big differences in the second service. They also have a a small church time. It's, it's really kind of just like this, only it's a small room, and they've got their screen too, and their songs, and, their, and all that stuff that they, they lead the kids through, and that's always a lot of fun. Um, the fifth and sixth grade, though, is a little bit different right now. Fifth and sixth grade is working on something called Tell It. Tell It was something we learned from Superstart. Uh, it's a way to remind the fifth and sixth grade age that even at that point in life, they can see and understand the work of God in their lives. They have a testimony. They have a story they can tell. Uh, they can talk to other kids. They can talk to other people about the love of Jesus in their lives. And so Jim's been leading them through that, and that's a part of this process that they've been going through. Uh, so that's a little bit different than the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the class back there. Uh, what they're going to be focusing on is Hebrews 11 over this next month. Without faith, uh, it's impossible to please God. That is trusting God. Without trusting God, it's impossible to please Him because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seeking, seek Him. And that, of course, is absolutely true. Uh, they're continuing to, even right now, focus on Vacation Bible School and learn about the songs that are coming up in Vacation Bible School. I'm excited about this. Uh, and they'll be able to lead you through some of these songs. We will go through a Vacation Bible School series starting in June. So you'll learn the same lessons they learned. We've been doing this over the past few years, and you're able to talk to your kids about those lessons. So those are some of the things happening in the, um, in the backyard. We continue to find the, the best person to 
take over for Laura. Laura is going to be done in her role at the end of this month. Uh, I've spoken to five, uh, I think it's five so far. I speak to another two people this week uh, coming up. uh, Now, we do have a general advertisement that's ready to go. Ben put that together, but that's we're waiting on that. That's, that's not the ideal way to do it. Uh, we want to take each person at a time, either somebody you know, somebody I know, somebody that's recommended, uh, and I've talked to quite a few, and some have said, hey, look, we know that church, and we've heard that church. We want to be there at that church. Problem is, we can't be there now, uh, you know, some of these discussions that we've had. Uh, and so we've talked to, or I've talked to a few. Those are just the preliminary discussions, and again, two more coming up this week. Um, One of the reasons that we're able to do it this way, and this is, I think, the best way to do it, not just have this general advertisement out there, we can take our time and do it correctly and talk to the right people. One of the reasons we can do that is because Brittany Oglesby and Erica Cottle have volunteered their time to steer the ship until our new minister comes in. So Laura will be done at the end of this month. And those two have volunteered to just live in the house that she built and steer the ship uh, until we bring in the minister uh, officially to take over. Uh, this, is, this is an incredible sacrifice. I, I was really, I was kind of blown away when they came to me about this. They said, look, this is important to us, and we want to make sure you guys have the time you need to talk to the people you need to talk to. So we'll step up and, and fill in. Now, there's a hard end on that, which is in December. In all probability, it'll be long before that, but they're going to help steer the ship until that new person comes in. So that's, that's where we're at uh, right now in our, uh, in our search and in our children's ministry. Next, next month, we'll be able to look at and hear more about student ministry and, and continue to keep up with Cody as well, all the things he's doing. Hebrews chapter 12, you don't need to turn there, it's on the front of your bulletin, it says this, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it seems painful, right? Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I don't, uh, I don't look forward to discipline, I don't imagine you do either, uh, but I will tell you this, I don't hate it, I don't hate it. I think we get to this place, this point, I think we get this, this spiritual maturity level where we don't hate discipline, but we don't particularly go looking for it, don't particularly like it when it happens. You know, I've had the pleasure, I've had the pleasure last year and this year uh, to help coach uh, Sam's ball team, uh, help, whatever help that is, um, you know, and uh, well, it's, it's fun, it's an enjoyable time. There's a lot of people actually. A lot of people in this body who help coach around, around the county and who help coach there in Russia, and also, so I, a lot of these kids are in pretty good hands. You know, we're, we're yelling at a coach one day, and then he says, hey, I'll see you in church tomorrow, right? So, yep, yep, we'll see you there. You know, it's a lot of fun. I like it. Anyway, I've had the, I've had the joy of doing that. And I've used this, I've used this example many times. Because it's so fitting with a lot of the ways in which we need help in life. If you've heard me before, you've heard this kind of, a, this kind of an example. If you've ever played a sport and sometimes the, the coach is a little hard on you, right? 
Sometimes they're, 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 they're teaching, sometimes they're correcting, sometimes they're yelling, sometimes they're not, sometimes they're being a little bit more patient, but one way or the other, they're kind of leading you through something that you've done incorrectly. And if all those things happen, you don't particularly like it when it's going on, but you could find yourself or consider yourself in a fortunate position because the coach is still looking at you and saying, hey, look, we can correct, we can build, we can strengthen, and we can move forward. The worst thing to happen to you is for the coach to throw up his hands and say, hey, look, you're on your own. I'm done. I'm done. You're on your own. I'm giving you over to this foolishness. I'm giving you over to do it however you want because time after time after time after time after time, you've not heeded the correction. And eventually, you are given over. Matter of fact, this is what God does uh, to people who deny and deny and deny and deny not only His sovereignty, but His correction and His direction in life. Romans chapter 1, again, you don't have to turn there, uh, but this is judgment upon many cultures and many places and many people. God gives them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not be done. Eventually, God says the worst thing God could ever say to us, have it your way. Have it your way. Burger King God, have it your way, right? Have it your way. And you don't want God to say that to you in your life. You don't like correction. I don't like correction. I don't think it's fun, but it's good. And many times, church, we face storms of correction in our life, storms of discipline in our life. Now, we already know that some of the storms we face are not storms of correction or storms of discipline. Sometimes it's to show the power of God in our life, strengthening our own faith. This certainly happened when he calmed the storm. Matter of fact, that was even a, that was even a storm of protection and provision. Other times, it was to challenge us, to help us grow, to see the trust that we can have in Jesus. This is, this is calling Peter out of the boat onto the stormy sea before the, so, the, the, the sea is calmed down. So we know there's a lot of storms that happen. Next week, I'll be here for next week. Next week, storms of opportunity. Storms of opportunity. See, this is going to be a message we don't want to hear, but next week is going to be a message we do want to hear. Storms of opportunity. And then the week after that is the secret, although it's not much of a secret, that Jesus gives us. How do we weather these storms? What is the proper way to go through all of these storms that we face in life? And how do we make it through them? So next week is storms of opportunity. So not all storms are because we need correction and discipline, yet some storms are, church. Some storms. Some storms God wants to get us on the right path and correct us and make sure that we understand who He is, what He is, and His expectations for our life. Turn to Jonah chapter 1. <clears throat> Jonah chapter 1. You know where I'm going with this. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah eventually gets swallowed by a big fish and saves the city of Nineveh. I'm just going to say that right off the top. Because I was wondering if I was going to ruin the end of the story when I was going through it last service. So I'm just going to go ahead and ruin the end of the story for you so I don't have to think about it anymore. All right? Eventually, Jonah is an instrument that saves the city of Nineveh, the biggest city in the world at the time. But it was quite a journey to get there. Jonah is not a role model, okay? You don't want to just look at the life of Jonah and say, I'll be like him. Jonah is shown just a couple of times in Scripture, and every time it seems like he's getting it wrong just a little bit, and he needs to be corrected. 
But there are things in Jonah's life that we can apply to ours. There are decisions that he has made. There are corrections that happened in his life that we need to see and we need to use in our own lives. Jonah chapter 1, <coughs> Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, that's Amittai, verse 2, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship that was going to Tarshish. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord, to run away from who God is, where God is, and what God wants for him. So who is Jonah, exactly? Well, Jonah was a prophet, <clears throat> a prophet that made a lot of mistakes and really screwed up a lot. But Jonah was a prophet many, many years ago, 760, 750, 760 B.C., about the same time as the prophet Amos. And he ministered to, or he was a prophet to, the northern ten tribes of Israel. There were the southern two of Judah and Benjamin, then there were the northern ten of the rest. And he lived and he ministered to that northern ten tribes of Israel. That's who Jonah is. But who is Jonah for us today? Who are we treating Jonah as? Jonah in this lesson is you and me, all right? You and me, that's Jonah. Jonah is the church for our lesson here today. I say he's the church because Jonah is not someone who does not know God or is unaware of God. Jonah cares about the commands of God. Jonah is someone who is well aware that God is God and that God is sovereign. What God says goes. Jonah understands that the commands of God should never be scoffed at. All of these things Jonah realizes. He gets it as we get it, or as we're learning it. The problem is, even though he knows the truth, sometimes he ignores the truth. And so we get to the first verse, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now when we think about that, he's a prophet, we know God speaks to the prophets, so the prophets speak to the people. And sometimes the word of the Lord comes in a vision. Sometimes the word of the Lord is able, we see this in Samuel particularly, they are able to physically hear the word of God coming to them, the direction of the Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Does the word of the Lord come to you? It has, I promise you that, it is right now the Word of the Lord coming to you. We think of the Word of God coming to us, or the Word of the Lord, or the Lord has spoken as some unique vision, or some thunderous voice, or some sign, special something that God's going to magically reveal to us. Church, the word of the Lord comes to you and me right now and any time that we wish it. We even call this the word of the Lord. That's what this is. Well, the word of the Lord didn't come to me like it came to Jonah. Yes, it did. The big difference, the big advantage you have over Jonah is you've got it written down. He had to memorize it. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the word of the Lord comes to you. The word of the Lord comes. Do you ever? Do you ever? Are you ever too busy? You ever tell God I got better things to do than listen to you? Huh? You ever say actually what I want is really more important than what you want, God? 
But bless me anyway. Save me anyway. Word of the Lord at our fingertips 24 hours a day. The word of the Lord comes to you. The word of the Lord comes to me. The word of the Lord is coming to you right now. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. These are the lessons for you and me. It's the lessons of Christ. These are the lessons we learn in Scripture from the epistles. Again, we're not talking about some vague, unknowable sign when the word of God comes to us. We're talking about the mouth, the word, the, the, the sword of the Spirit Himself. The word of God that we have in our hands is readable, understandable, it's repeatable. When you want to teach it to others, it's inerrant. And again, this word of the Lord can come to you every day. Most often, the word of the Lord comes to us as reminder. As reminder and study and application. That's Scripture. And so we don't need to be looking or waiting to obey God for some other command or some other revelation. Let me tell you something. The word of God is complete. He doesn't need another one. Okay? If you're waiting on some other sign, or some other something, or some other direction, or some other words that disagree with the Word of God to make you feel better, the Word of God's complete. He doesn't have another one. This is what we have, and He has laid it out for you and me. The Word of the Lord can come to you whenever you wish. It's Scripture. The Word of the Lord has come to me, and again, we know it's come to you. You know how often it seems the Word of the Lord comes to me, not only when I'm studying, when I'm reading, but often when I'm in prayer. The Word of the Lord has come to me multiple times. It wasn't in an earthquake. It wasn't in some blinding light or some thunderous voice in the middle of the night. Usually it comes to me in the middle of prayer, and it's prompting in my mind, in my heart, go read this, understand it, and do what it says. I can't tell you how many times I've been in prayer asking God for this, revealing Himself to that, showing me the direction here, and God says, we've already been over this. Go read it, understand it, and do what it says. And then I'll go back to my God, I need direction, I need wisdom, I need help, I need this, I need that. He says, I told you yesterday, go read this, understand it, and do what it says. When you're looking for the Word of the Lord to come to you, when you're looking for that direction, you get these promptings, these reminders in Scripture. You get these promptings and reminders in prayer. Go read it. Go understand it. And then do what it says. I think God gets frustrated with me sometimes until eventually I get it. I'll pray to Him again. He says, how many times are we going to go over this? How many times are we going to do this? Go read it. Understand it. And apply it. That's my answer. And many different things in life, many different areas in life, many different obstacles in life. That's when the Word of God comes to us. From the Word of the Lord, we have command, direction, we have action, we have reason. We have many other things in the Word of God as the Word of God comes to us, but we always have these commands and directions and actions and reasons. And you'll notice that Jonah has the very same thing in verse 2. God said, go, there's the command. There's the command, go to the great city of Nineveh. There's the direction. Preach against it, there's the action. And he gives reason because its wickedness has come up before me. It's the same thing you and I have. Command, direction, action, reason. This is what I want for you in your life. Now we begin to see the parallels between Jonah and us. 
So what are the directions and the commands that we hear from God? When God speaks to us, what do we hear? Well, to just name a few, He says, be patient with each other. That's a command from God. That's the direction He wants you to go. Be kind to others. Don't be boastful or prideful. Honor others. Don't dishonor them. Seek service instead of yourself. He gives us commands to forgive and, by the way, not to be easily angered. You might notice this would be a description of love in 1 Corinthians 13. The word of the Lord came to me and the word of the Lord said to me, John, here's, here's what I want you to do in your life. I want you to pursue a life of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. You might recognize the word of God in Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit. The word of the Lord came to me and said, we have commands to be generous, to show love to our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, to do away with lust, hatred, and divorce. We are commanded to not worry about the provisions of, the morrow, of tomorrow because Jesus says pagans run after those things. You may notice these as the commands from the Sermon on the Mount. The word of the Lord came to me and he told me all these things. My guess is for many of you, the word of the Lord came to you and told you the same thing. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. But the reason we have the whole story of Jonah is because Jonah ignored it. Jonah just ignored it. He just went the other way. He didn't care. All of these commands have reasons. They're good for us. And they're good for those around us. They honor God and they are descriptive. They are literally descriptions of the children of God. These are not just pictures. These aren't theories here. But the reality of the kingdom of God, verse 3, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish, went down to Joppa, got a boat, went to Tarshish, fleeing from the Lord. You ever try to run away from God? Hmm? You ever try to run from God and then things go badly for you in your heart, in your mind, in relationships, and then we wonder if God cares. I'm going to run away from God and then wonder where He is. In my heart, in my mind, you ever run away from God? Of course, we don't call it run. We don't call it run. Run, run means it's intentional. Or run means it's cowardly. Oh, we don't, we, don't, we don't call it a run. We call it struggle. Or we call it a moment of weakness, don't we? Or maybe we ignore the commands of God and we say, well, this is something we deserve. We don't call it run. We say it's not my fault. We don't call it run. We say, well, they made me or the world made me. Somebody else made me do it. God, that woman you put in the garden with me made me eat the fruit. Well, that's been happening from the very beginning, hasn't it? Adam running from God. Running from God. Just coming up with a different thing to call it. And we come up with an excuse after excuse to run from the commands of God. You ever, you ever, you ever, hear, you ever hear your kids try to give you an excuse about something and you think, boy, that is the thinnest excuse I have ever heard in my life. You get to the point where you're almost more disappointed about the story they made up than what they actually did wrong. Put some thought into it, man. We come up with excuse after excuse. And we justify it in our own heads and our own minds. We talk ourselves into it. To run away from God. We don't even think it's us doing it. The devil tempted me. He made me do it. Yeah, well, you gave him the audience. You listened. I've walked out on conversations before, church, with people 
This isn't worth my time. This is hurtful and harmful. I'm clearly talking to a fool. I'm out of here, right? I mean, nobody here, okay? Other people, other people. If the devil's prompting you, talking to you, whispering in your ear, just walk out. Why don't you walk out on that conversation? I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And yeah, that's a real thing. There is outside oppression that causes us to run away from God or tempts us to run away from God, rather. But that's not where the lion's share of these temptations come from, church. The majority of the temptations we face in our life to run away from God come from right here. Right here. The sin that is living built into you and me. That's what Paul tells us. It's the actual sin of the person struggling inside of this fallen body. That's where the majority of this temptation comes from. It's not external oppression, although that's true and it needs to be taken seriously. But the majority of it is you and me, our own minds, our own hearts. Look at Jonah for, uh, verse 4 through 6. He's running away. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. They threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah, Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how could you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us so that we will not perish. There was a storm of correction, a storm of discipline. This is a storm, church, of repentance. Jonah is heading in one direction, and God wants him to head in another direction. So he sends the storm. He says, I want you to change course. Jonah, you weren't built to run. You were built to serve the kingdom of God. And in so doing, save a bunch of lives. We know that that's what happens at the end of the story, because I've already ruined the end of the story. God's going to get Jonah's attention in a very dramatic way. Because if Jonah continues on the path he's on, he is going to hurt himself, he's going to dishonor God, he's going to hurt others, and he's not going to get to participate in this incredible, miraculous work in the kingdom of God. All of these things are going to be taken from Jonah if he ignores what God wants in his life. Nothing's going to be given to him, everything's going to be taken from him when he ignores what God wants in his life. But notice somebody else on his ship. Notice the sailors. Notice the sailors as well. They're, in, they're caught up in the middle of the storm. Their lives are in danger. Their entire world, they're throwing over cargo. You understand? Jonah's the one that made the screw-up, made the mistake, and everybody around him is paying the price. Every time, every time we sin against God, we are not just hurting ourselves, we're hurting people around us. Sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly. Sometimes we're just adding to the fallenness of this world. It's hard. It's hard to obey Jesus all the time. But to actually ignore Him, to go the other way, to say, I know, I've heard, I've read, and I don't care. 
you're just bringing destruction into people's lives. Due to Jonah's, Jonah's disobedience, everybody else is paying the price. And what was Jonah doing when the world was falling apart around him due to his disobedience? <laughs> While other people were feeling the effects of this, Jonah was below decks, completely asleep and oblivious to the storm that was raging. Do you notice the storms of correction in your life? Do you act upon them? Or are you asleep through the whole thing? Just asleep through the whole thing. There's times. There's times you think, how do you miss this? Stay awake. You don't know. You got to wake up. Realize what Jesus is going to do in your life. Look, this is a great picture of Jonah, Revelation chapter 3. To the angel of the church at Sardis, by the way, you're the church. It's not this building. You, your homes, your family, you right here, you're the church. To the church, write these words. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds, says Jesus. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains. And is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Boy, that's Jonah. That's you. That's me. Wake up. Therefore, remember what you've received and heard. Hold it fast. Repent. But if you don't wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what time I'll come to you. Jesus is imploring the church to heed correction, discipline. Romans 13, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. If you're going through a storm of correction, if you're going through a storm of discipline, at the very least, wake up and realize that the storms are happening for your benefit. The storms are happening to correct your path, your direction, because you know and have ignored what God wants in your life. And it's not punishment. It's really an effort to avoid punishment. It's correction. It's discipline. Oh, judgment's coming. But God wants to work on our hearts and our minds before that with correction and discipline. Because of these storms, I'm telling you, I've seen storms. I've noticed storms in my own life. And you have to respond to them. Finally, Jonah wakes up. They find out that it was Jonah who disobeyed. They were casting lots. And we'll do a, a lesson one of these days on that, where, where that comes from and, and what that is and why that's, why that's used. But I don't, I don't have time to do that right now. They know it's Jonah cast, by casting lots. And then they, they press him for information. Jonah tells them who he is and tells them that he's ignored the commands of God. Jonah, verse 12, this is the turning point in Jonah's life, or at least it's the turning point in this mission. Many times people think that the turning point was when he got swallowed by the great fish or this incredible prayer of humility while he's in the belly of the fish. But that was just a result of the turning point. Here's the moment. Here's the moment. This is what God is trying to get Jonah to. This is what God's trying to get you and me to. It's this moment in verse 12. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. Here we go. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Now, this is not Jonah wanting to die, okay? That's not the point of this. The point here is responsibility. It's confession. It's repentance. 
Jonah sees the storm, notices the storm, realizes the storm because of his sin, and Jonah finally gets to the point where he says, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's not God picking on me. It's not God hating me. It's not everybody else around me who's the problem. It's my fault. I've shared with people before um, that I was, I, you know, Jonah could have just prayed for the symptoms to be done, right? He could have just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, God, stop the storm, stop the storm, stop the storm, stop the storm. But that's not what God was after. God was after Jonah saying, this was, this was my fault. I deserve this. I need to be corrected by this. I went 15 years, um, 15 years praying, 15 years, I'm not ready to share the whole thing, I don't know if I ever will be, but over and over and over again, and, and just praying about the symptoms, and praying about the symptoms, and it took 15 years for me finally to stand before God and say, God, I deserve every bit of it, it was me, it was me, this happened some time ago, it was me. And it was that moment of confession that God said, finally! And then he said, now, watch what I'm going to do. And if I had a hundred guesses for a hundred years, I never would have guessed, never would have guessed the way he was going to work and bless me in incredible ways. But it took 15 years to get to that place where I was done praying about the symptoms, done praying about the storm, and I finally said, God, you win, you've broken me down. The fact is, it's my fault. It was me. Yeah, a lot of things happened that I couldn't control, but what I could control, I didn't. Right? I ignored him. Oh, I could still sit there and say it was somebody else's fault. God says, no, I'm not talking about everybody else. I'm talking about you. See, this is where he gets to us. This is where he wants to get us in storms, church. And if you're going through a storm of correction, it's probably not real fun right now, is it? If you're going through a storm of correction, don't waste this storm. Don't waste it. Don't waste the fact that God's trying to get your attention. Otherwise, you're still, get this, you're still going to go through the storm and not learn a thing. The storm's still going to happen. Learn the lesson that Jonah gets to. And finally, after this incredible confession of Jonah, they throw him off the ship. That's what they do. Throw him off into the ocean. I thought things were going to be great now. No, this is still a part of the correction. It's still a part of life. It's still a part of the mission. Plus, We've still got to pay some of the consequences of our screw-up in this world. We can still be changed. We can still repent. We can still be forgiven. We can still be allowed to go back on this incredible mission. But in order to do that, we still may find ourselves in the belly of the fish for a little bit. Don't give up then. Don't think God's hating you then. No, being in the belly of the fish was God saving Jonah. Saving Jonah to continue this incredible work. I got a lot of brilliant points still in this message, but we're getting to a close. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Father, that 
I thank you for the corrections in my own life. Father, I, th- I ask that you'll give me humility and courage to face the correction of those storms and maturity. Father, I thank you that you love us enough to discipline us, that you love us enough to allow, allow some of these bad things to happen so that we can be changed, so that we can be changed in the image of Christ himself. And Father, that's, that's what we want. That's, at least put it on our hearts to want that. That when we look in the mirror, we no longer see ourselves, but we see an image, a picture of your son. Allow us to heed the correction and the discipline that's needed for that transformation. We know you love us, Father. We know you treat us better than we treat our own kids. Help us to understand that and be changed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing. Glorious name, blessed be the name.
the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Well, don't forget, is it next week, Mother's Day? Yeah? Next week's Mother's Day. Then Memorial Day is coming up. Don't forget those two things. With Memorial Day, the end of best season, which is disappointed with, but it's the way it goes.